should just be happy, smiling Christians everywhere we go, right? That's right. That was really good. Deb had talked to me a little bit. I talked to her on the phone. And um, what she didn't tell you is when she got back from India, she was sick for a while. And uh, in fact, she had to get on a plane to go to Las Vegas uh, uh, with some of the residuals of her Indies, India travel. So uh, we appreciate you, Deborah. We appreciate what you're doing there. Lots of good stuff. Hey, I didn't, I, I forgot to share this testimony. You know, Brad and Ruth Brown, uh, their grandbaby was born, Lydia. And uh, her, their daughter's doing well. She's doing well. So that's good to hear too. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how to live, how to multiply, and how to possess. But we're going to talk about it in a little different manner. So, yeah, look at uh, uh, Jer uh, Jeremiah's my new slide guy. Doing a great job for me. But, uh, yeah, we want to talk about how to live, how to multiply, and how to possess. And, you know, we don't always think about our whole being is meant to, God created us to multiply. God created us to possess. That's why he created us. And sometimes we forget because we end up just barely surviving instead of thriving. Not really being able to see what he sees for us because we're overwhelmed by just what the day is. And I was telling, we were having prayer this morning early and I said, you know, it's like I cannot keep up with what's going on. Now, that is the exact opposite of what I said last week. What I... So, you know, you love the, um, really just the dichotomy of life. But I, after Karen and I were praying and talking about it, I said, you know, what I realized is, you know, everything around us sometimes happens kind of at the same time. And what happens is our mind is trying to move in the natural as God is moving in the spiritual realm. So it's not really that I can't keep up. It's just that I need to realize that my mind needs to shift to the way God is seeing it as opposed to me trying to organize it and structure it in a, in a way that would make me feel good. <laughs> that would make me comfortable because we all know you have to, I'm vibing or bouncing or something. There we go. Wasn't that a little bouncy for me? Yeah. So, uh, or may, it may just be me. It may be, now my mind's in the spiritual realm, so all that bounce I can't keep up with. I'm not sure. But you know, sometimes when things are happening quickly in our life, we have a hard time assimilating what's happening. And we have to learn to shift from trying to assimilate in the natural to shift to assimilating in the spiritual realm. Because it's only in the spiritual realm will we be able to see and understand beyond what is happening in front of us. Does that make sense? And I can give you like a zillion examples today, but we won't go there. I'm going to start with one scripture and then we're going to go to Samuel. But the first scripture I'm going to start with is Deuteronomy 8.1. It should be up on the screen for us. Yes, thank you guys. Every commandment that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So every commandment, everything that the Lord has told us, 
that he's told us to do that we have to be careful to do it so that we may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which which he swore to us. So the understanding here, and if you read through Auto Deuteronomy, you know, I love Deuteronomy because it helps us calibrate ourselves into what God has for us. And really, this is all about obedience and staying close to the Lord and following him. And I want to talk about it in in terms of the season that we're moving into, which God has been talking to me about. I'm actually working on a book. God, please, y'all, please pray. Pray, send those prayers. Because I've got to send some deadline stuff in and just send your prayers. But it really, God has really been talking to me about what the decade is going to bring. Uh, in January of 2019, the beginning of this year, God told me, he said, do not plan for the year, plan for 10 years. And I completely forgot what he told me. Don't you love it? I even wrote it down. <laughs> but you know, we know that when God speaks something to us, sometimes it's to seed in us. So when that happens, it raises up. Oh, this is familiar. So when he started talking to me about it again in August, I'm like, huh, vaguely familiar. But you know, it's hard for us to carry every word that's spoken to us. And as we go through, we're going to go through a little Deuteronomy, but we're going to look at Samuel uh, for a minute too. But it's hard for us to carry. That's the reason we have to keep like a book of remembrance. We have to remember what God has done. We have to keep it in front of us because it's what, what keeps our hope alive. It's what keeps our faith activated. It's what keeps us moving forward is by remembering what God has done. So God talks to us all the time about remembering. So uh, I'm, I want to talk about a little bit about what God's going to do in the coming year. But first, I want to hit what obedience does for us. And we're going to look at 1 Samuel, I believe, 9. Let me just look myself. Uh, yeah, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 9. Uh, and while I was praying this morning, the Lord said, I want you to encourage and empower the people this morning. So I actually looked those words up in, in, in Scripture just to see what they mean. And, you know, naturally you think, I know what that means. But I just wanted to see what it meant. And so encourage means to strengthen, prevail, be strong, be courageous, and be resolute. Now that's a big word, being resolved, that you're going to be resolute in something. And uh, the, one of the scriptures the Lord gave me was 1 Samuel 36 that says, David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. And it was when David was going through this time of losing everything that he strengthened himself in the Lord and he became resolved. He was resolute about moving forward in what God had for him. And then the other word God gave me was to empower. And it, said, it means enable to give someone to uh, give something to someone, to grant, to give one asking, to let them have, to supply and furnish. And the scripture out of that was Acts 4, 29 through 30. It says, and now Lord, observe these threats and grant that your bond servants may declare your message with great confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and with signs and wonders, through your name. So these are the two words 
that are going to be important for us as we move into the next year. We need to be encouraged and empowered. And we have to learn how to encourage and empower ourselves too through the reading of the word, through the fellowship with one another, through, through uh, remembering what God has done for us. So let's look at 1 Samuel. It is 9, 1 Samuel 9. Uh, where is that? Because I want to, uh, yeah, let me just read and then we'll, we'll go from there. 1 Samuel 9, 15. So Solomon has been given a word uh, from the Lord to find a king. Because the Israelites uh, don't accept God as enough for them. They want an earthly king that can take care of them. And even that, isn't that interesting when we think about that? You know, looking for someone else to provide what God provides for us. So this is 1 Samuel 9.15. It says, now a day before Samuel... I came to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Let me start over. Now, a day before Saul came, the Lord had informed Samuel of this saying. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him as leader over my people Israel. And he will save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon the distress of my people because their cry for help has come to me. Now think about that prophetic word spoken over Saul. Saul is the man. He's going to be the leader to save the people from their enemy, the Philistines. That is the prophetic word spoken over Saul. Verse 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There is the man, uh, there is the man of whom I have spoke to you. This one shall rule over my people as their king. Then Saul approached Samuel in the city gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go on ahead of me to the high place. For you shall eat with me today, and in the morning I will let you go. And will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, because he had lost his donkeys, that's what he was looking for which were lost three days ago, do not be concerned about them, for they have been found, and for whom all things that are desirable in Israel, are they not for you and for all your father's household? Saul replied, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And is not my family the smallest of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why have you spoken this way to me as if I were important? So Samuel tells Saul that all of Israel is desirable of what him and his family can bring. So think about this prophetic word that has been spoken over Saul. And, I, and this is where I want to go. We're not going to read, you know Saul's life and we can go into it later. But this is where I feel like the Lord wants us to go. We need a heads up, kind of a warning. I've had a couple of warning dreams lately. Of, of what we need to guard against in the coming season. Because we want the fullness of what God has. You know, even that song that we sang earlier, you know, nothing else. We want nothing else but you, Jesus. That's what's going to get us the fullness of what God has for us, is nothing but him. 
And I want to talk to you about uh, something that I read yesterday, and it has really struck me. It was by Jeremiah Johnson, who is a prophetic person out of Lakeland. But I, I want you to think of this in terms of what we just heard about Saul's prophetic word, that he's going to be king, that God has selected him to be king over, over the nation of Israel. So here's uh, kind of our warning here. When God gives a major prophetic word about someone's calling, the very next thing that happens is a deep examination of a person's character. A high calling demands a high level of character, which often requires drastic changes in our lives, in our relationships, and in vision. Prophecy is about possibility, not inevitability. If the prophetic words we receive are going to be fulfilled, then we need to get, we need to seriously consider what level of character and integrity God is requiring on, of us in order to fulfill it. Now think about that. You know, we all have prophetic words that are out there, but uh, I love the way he put it. It is a possibility, not a, it's not inevitable. Because if we can't rise up to what God has spoken over us, then the fullness of what God has planned for us will not be met. Because our character, our character and our lack of integrity will, will interfere with us being rising up. And if you think about King Saul and his life, that is exactly what happened to him. His character was not able to be transformed to allow the fullness of his calling. And yes, he stayed king for like 40 years, I think. But he spent his kingdom, instead of taking care of the people, it says that he was going to be the protector of Israel, that he was going to protect them from their enemy. He spent a majority of his kingdom chasing after a non-realistic enemy. You know, David was not his enemy. David was a part of what was supposed to be used in God's plan to protect Israel. But because his character wasn't transformed, because he was unable to come under the obedience of God. And we can read through here, you know, one of the biggest incidents that happened. Oh, there was one of the scripture I wanted to read. Um, to, uh, I think it's 1024. Let me just look real quick. Yeah, 1024 says, Samuel said to all the people when he was being anointed, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? For there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. So the possibilities for Saul were immeasurable. The ability to take a people to a place that God had planned for them was there. It was there for him. But he was unable to follow just the basic obedience to God. And he spent his life chasing David. Going after someone who was not his enemy. But his character was jealous of David. His character felt David was a threat. You know, his character, his undeveloped, untransformed character kept him from being the king that God had planned for him to be. And he ended up losing his kingdom early on. You know, God said, I'm going to, 
your kingdom is lost. Samuel said, that's it. I'm going to replace you, even though it took time for him to be replaced. His kingdom never fulfilled the fullness that God had prophesied over it because his lack of integrity and character, his lack of obedience to what God wanted him to do, his fear of man. I mean, there's lots of reasons why. But this is really, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Saul, but this is really what I want to talk about this morning is this is a, a new season that, that we're moving into is going to provide lots of opportunities for us. We're going to see fulfillment opportunities of words that have been spoken over us. We're going to see doors open for us that we had never imagined could be opened. We're, we're also going to see a, a huge financial shift into our hands. But we have to heed the warning of God. Our character, our holiness, our purity, our integrity has to be pristine. We have to be willing to go through the, the discipline of God to get us where we need to go. Otherwise, we will mishandle what comes through our hands or we will miss completely the opportunity because our character won't get us in the position to receive it. So um, this is a happy message this morning. So we're at the end of this. We're going to play that happy song again while we're taking communion. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's so funny because this morning, it is funny because this morning I was like, I knew I was going to preach on Deuteronomy 8, and we're going to read through it because it, it carries the pattern that we are to live from. But God started talking to me about King Saul and all that. I don't know, yesterday or the day before, I was like, I don't want to talk about, oh, God, I don't want to, because, uh, let's talk about David, because we can say, you know, yeah, he messed up, but because his character and his t integrity was willing to go through the discipline of God, he was transformed, and he was able to prepare a legacy for his son to take over and go even beyond what David did. That's an easy preach, right? Come on, that's an easy preach. We're all like, oh, yeah, I'm like David. I'm willing to go under that discipline, that pressing of God, because my integrity will grow, you know. But Saul's a hard preach, because nobody wants to say, oh, I just want to be like King Saul. <laughs> I really, I just want to threaten to kill my son because he ate honey because he was hungry and I commanded nobody could eat honey or they would be dead. You know, that's the kind of life I want to lead where it's all about me, you know. Gotta just prophesy that over me. Nobody does that. But what we have to do is we have to really grab a hold of what we don't want to be so we can understand where the pitfalls are. You know, I was thinking about, I was even thinking about David and thought, well, you know, really, we would say his, his biggest failure was his adulterous affair. And, of course, he was repentant once he realized that Nathan was talking about him when he was given the whole analogy of this guy who stole the one thing that he couldn't have. But, you know, when you also think about David, one of the things that he didn't do is he did not discipline his children. You know, so that was a big, Absalom became his biggest nemesis because he didn't have the heart to correct him. 
And so it wasn't that David didn't have this great character and this great integrity and this great love for the Lord. He also had these blind spots where he was unable to really grab a hold. And even when his men would go to him, his priest and, uh, would go to him and say, you know, what are you going to do now that your son has defiled everything? And David just struggled with the heart to be able to stand up and correct. So all of us have things that we are blind spots of. All of us have these integrity character things that God is working on. You know, no matter where we are in our life, God always gives us the opportunity to rise up a level, to have that little bit of sharpening, that little bit of polishing, that rough edge filed off so we can be more like him. He always gives us that opportunity. So like I said, we're not all wanting to uh, have that Saul anointing, right? But, but Saul had the opportunity to be great because God said he did. God said, I have chosen him. I have chosen him to be the defender of my people. I have chosen him to protect. But Saul did not choose God back. He chose to walk the line of yes, no, and maybe. It was yes when it was convenient. It was no when no one was looking. And it was maybe when he got caught. You know, when he was supposed to kill Agag. And, you know, <laughs> Samuel comes up and he's like, uh, what is this beeping, this bleeping? Yeah, I can't, what is going on? So I was like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. You know, it was, it was all denial until, until he finally realized that Samuel already knew. So it's that he did not choose God back. Where David continually chose God even in the midst of his struggles. So let's go back to Deuteronomy 8 because I want to talk a little bit about how Deuteronomy 8 is setting us up for what God has planned for us. And I know there's, uh, you know, really, yeah, let me just go on. Okay. Sometimes I have to stop, edit, and then read again. So we're going to read verse 1 again. It says 8.1. It says, every commandment that I am commanding you today, everyone, you shall be careful to do so, so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember always all the ways which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble and test you to know what was in your heart and mind. We know that that's a, that's a Saul and David word as if you compare it to what we're talking about. You know, Saul faced so many tests of the Lord and, and they were really just literal tests of obedience. And God saw his heart of his unwillingness to follow. And so did David. Whether, uh, yeah, what's in your heart and mind, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and allowed you to be hungry and fed you with manna, a substance which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so that he might make you understand by personal experience that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, 
these are the, this is a section, this two through five, and I'll read the rest of it. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. Therefore, know in your heart, be fully cognizant that the Lord your God disciplines and instructs you as a man disciplines and instructs his son. That section right there, two through five, first he's saying, remember. Remember what I have done. Remember the things that I've done for you in the natural and in the supernatural. You know, we're, we're not remembering every supernatural healing that he's given us, every supernatural movement that he's done. Our life in him is a remembrance to him. And that's what we have to remember. Everything, every day that remembrance, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. And he goes, of course, and, and it says, remember that I fed you. Remember that your feet didn't swell, that your clothes didn't. We need to declare that out over the people in India that, you know, their clothes will not wear out. They will be like brand new every day when they put them on. Amen. And that we have to realize that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And, and that's what God keeps reminding us, that we have to bind it around our heart. The word of God has to be so in us that it's in our cells, it's in our blood, it's in our organs. Everything we do is, is wrapped around the word of the Lord. And that's what we live out of. We live out of the word of the Lord. We live out of everything that proceeds out of his mouth. Verse 6, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk, that is to live each and every day in his ways, and fear and worship him with awe-feared reverence and profound respect. So what does that look like in our everyday life? You know, and all of us are different. So it may look different in the actual action, but the result is the same in our life. The result is we are transformed, mind, body, and spirit. So what looks like for me every day walking in it may have a little different flavor for you every day walking in it, but God is looking at the heart of the people and how they're responding to him, not necessarily the process in which they're doing it because we can do the process all day long and not be transformed at all. I I read a verse, you know, I read my prayer list. But if there's no connection with God in doing that, then it's a process that we're going through without transformation, without the connection of the heart to him. And this is our word for 2020, verse 7. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of springs, of flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of, uh, it's getting lunchtime, olive oil and honey, a land where you shall eat bread without shortage, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of your hills you can dig copper. And when you've eaten and are satisfied, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. You know, I love that story about remember uh, Argentina, remember Argentina, where the carrots were this long and they're that big around. You know, that's what we're declaring over this new season is that 
Everything that we put our hand to will multiply. It will produce. You know, we don't do stuff just out of entertainment. If we're putting our hand to it, if we're putting our work to it, if we're putting our efforts to it, God's word says that it will multiply. It will grow. It will help us to possess what he's put in front of us to possess. And one of the things we're going to see in our country is we're going to see a continual shifting of declarations of Jesus Christ. And right now, and I've said this before, but I see it all the time in the media, they want us to be completely deluded to think that God is not doing anything. I mean, how, how many of you seen on uh, Fox, NBC, ABC, CNN, uh, and all glory was given to God that day because miracle happened and someone walked who could never walk before. All glory was given to God because someone got a building with finances they didn't have. You know, we don't see that. There's no, okay, here's the news section and then here's the glory section. You know, we don't see that. So what happens as Christians is our senses get dulled to what God is doing because we are spread apart. It's not like we all live in the same cul-de-sac and we're all running out to the street in the middle of the day saying, hey, let me tell you about this. Hey, let me tell you about that. You know, we, we don't live in that community environment in proximity. We do in spirit, we do in heart, but the proximity is the challenge. We live to people next door who are cussing and screaming and drinking. We live, when we go to the store, we were, uh, I don't know where I was, we were somewhere, and there were these young kids, and uh, where was I? The language. I was like, wow. You know, I was just surprised, just in natural, I think I was standing lined at Starbucks, actually, just the natural, just verbiage of, you know, hey, instead of, hey, how you doing? It had, hey, I was like, wow. And, it, and that is norm. You know, that is not something that's shocking. It is something that, it was shocking for me, but it's something that's norm. So we aren't in a protected globe where all we hear is each other giving testimonies and glory. And we hear the worship songs coming out of next door neighbor, out of your neighbor, out of your neighbor. We're, we're living spread out. And so what we have to do is we have to remember what God has done so we are not blinded and delusioned by the press that God is not moving on this earth because he is. As much as he put the globe around you so those two men wouldn't kill you, he's got the globe around us so we can see the beauty of what he's doing. But the way to see is to begin to declare and remember and, and go over in your mind, God, thank you every day. Thank you, God. This is what you've done. This is what you've done for my family. Bring in reconciliation, whatever it is. There is power in remembrance because what happens is it breaks open our faith to step in to the more. I mean, I know I try not to watch the news because by the end of it, I'm ready to jump off my front porch, which is about this high. But, you know, it is just so an impeachment. You know, I, talk, I called somebody the other day. They're like, I'm watching the impeachment hearings. I said, I can't watch that. I mean, I, get, I literally get sick at my stomach watching the news. If Chuck's going to watch the news, he's, he's got to do it when I'm not home because I can't take it because it's such a blur to what God is doing. 
And we see testimonies all every day about what God is doing and, and how people are coming to Christ and how we're seeing thousands in America line up to give their hearts. So we, we have to be careful not to be dissuaded by the oppression of the enemy trying to get us to say, well, God's not doing anything in America. And God is doing a lot in America. You know, um, we know we just lost Reinhardt Bunke. You guys know that, right? Well, you know, he moved back to Florida because the Lord gave him that word that America was going to be saved. That's why he moved back. Because he knew that there was a harvest, a revival coming through America that was going to be so hot and so fast and so full that it would sweep across America. Now, am I saying that every single person on American soil is going to be saved? I'm not sure I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is we're going to have a shift in greater numbers where the Christians will supersede those who don't believe. And what we're doing is we're calling forth those Christians to have the fire of God on them in such a way that it's all they can do to contain themselves from releasing that fire of God onto everybody else. That's what we're looking for. You know, we're not looking for idle Christianity. We're not looking for passive or safe Christianity. Although, you know, it's definitely a thought. But, but God has called us to violent Christianity. And, and violence doesn't look like slicing off everybody's head. Violence looks like I am not going to believe the report of the enemy because I know what God's doing. It doesn't mean that the enemy isn't working, but what it means is God isn't working. If, if we see, it's kind of like this. If we see the worst of the worst in evil and sin, which we are seeing a lot of that. People say it's the worst ever. It might be. But if we're seeing the worst of the worst in evil and sin, then that means that the best of the best is so much greater. Because all the enemy can do is mimic what God is doing in opposition. So if we're seeing all of this crazy death and, you know, abortion and and uh, loss of identity, if we're seeing all that, then that means that God is moving people into this great identity, into life, into salvation. All that. So whatever we see that's being highlighted by the enemy, that means that God is doing such a great bigger move than that because all the enemy can do is try to replicate in opposition what God is doing. Right. So the, the deep darkness is covered by the great light. And that's what we have to remember. We're, we're fighting in a war of perception. A lot of the war that we fight is what we perceive. Do, do we live by every word that proceeds out of, the word, out of the mouth of God? Because then that's how we see things. What we see is that if this person's sick, we're going to pray and they're going to get healed because the word of God says that when we lay hands on someone, they're healed. You know, if we see someone that, like you said, you know, you, all of a sudden God's given you to talk about suicide. I was at a conference one time and one of, the, uh, one of the words of knowledge was suicide. And someone came up to me and said, the last couple of days I have been contemplating killing myself. And I was like, 
oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> like, because I was just like, you know, how? How does that even work? Because, you know, they're just as normal as Chuck, as, you know, the person sitting next to you. But they were so broken in their heart, and they came out of that, got healing, got some counseling. Total, and this has been a couple of years ago, totally on fire, on track, but it was that lie of the enemy yeah. that kept coming at them, and their, their vision got uh, uh, blurred about what their life was about, and all they could see was death in front of them instead of life before them. And that's what we have to do. We have to keep every word that proceeds from God's mouth in us. And the only way to do that is by remembering what did he say? Remembering, what does the word say? Remembering, what did he do? You know, he healed my family. He brought reconciliation back. You know, he, he gave our, our daughter a child. I mean, all of these different things we just have to keep remembering. And there are things of tragic tragedy that have happened in our lives. But we have to remember what God says and let him heal that tragedy in our lives. Because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy us. That is his job. But God has come to give us abundant life. So let's finish reading Deuteronomy 8. God wants us to have life. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to possess. So we read all about what he's going to give us. Now verse 11, it says, Be aware that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments and his judgment and his statues, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you've eaten and you're satisfied and have built good houses and living them, so when all this multiplication, all this expansion happens, it says, and you have your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have has increased, then your heart will become lifted up by self-conceit and arrogance. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Now remember, when he brought them out of Egypt, he also allowed them to plunder Egypt. They took everything, their gold, their silver, their fabrics. And you know, God gave them a list of things to ask for. But then when you read on, it says that they left with not only all of those things, but they had more than enough livestock. Well, you know, slaves don't have livestock. So not only did, did the Egyptians give them everything they asked for, he, he, they gave them more than what they asked for. And not only that, Moses was able to get the Hebrews released, but he also got the other people who were slaves came with them. So we got a people who were not their people freed too. So they got more than enough. So God is saying, you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have more than enough, but I don't want you to forget where it came from. I don't want you to say, you know, I don't want you to say, uh, verse 17, it says, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and strength of my hand has made this wealth. Verse 18 says, But you shall remember with profound respect the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Say, the Lord has given me, the Lord has given me power, to make wealth. power to make wealth. 
And the reason he's given it to you so that he can confirm his covenant, which he swore solemnly to your fathers as it is in this day. So he's given all of us the power to make wealth, all of us. And that's what we're going to see in 2020. There's going to be a shift in wealth. And uh, wealth will look different for each one of us. You know, what's wealth for one would be more than, more than wealth to another. We're all going to be different. So it's not about what one has, what the other one has. It's about what does God want me to possess with the finances he's given me. Because when God gives us finances... He's given us something to possess with them. He's given us something to overtake. He's given them, us, them to us to multiply. I always love what uh, Rick Joyner said. He said, we should have more money than the government. So whenever there's a disaster, they come to us. Whenever there's a need, they call the church. They call the people of God and say, hey, we know that you have more than enough because your God has supplied your need abundantly more than what you actually need. So we're coming to you because we need help to restore, to rebuild, to build up the people, to uh, extract, whatever it is. That's the people we want to be. We're not the people that are going around, please give us some so we can pay our light bill. No, we're the people that are going around saying, who's got a light bill that needs to be paid today? You know, who, who's got a town that needs to be rebuilt? Yes, right. Who has businesses that need investment? Right. That's who we are. That, that's why this shift is coming in 2020. And that's part of the, the influence that God will give us out of our wealth. People will come to us because we have wealth, not because we have Jesus. But with our wealth, with our investment, comes our Jesus, comes our Savior. And that will open up new doors of opportunity to share the gospel. Okay. So we're going to do one thing before we have communion because I want us to really pray about this. I, I was doing some study. Um, and one thing I was, there's two things. One of them is the enemy has plundered our finances. He has taken advantage of different things. And the one thing that came to my mind was when there was an economic drop in 2008, how many were affected in their finances? The enemy plundered our finances. And it was through the greed of leaders, corporations, and even in our government that broke the American people. So I want to repent on behalf of our country, on behalf of our leaders, forgive them for what happened and, and release that strong man against us that had gripped a hold of our finances. And we're going to declare the replenishment of our finances. Uh, so I want, that's the first one. And then the second one we're going to do is um, we're going to uh, break any curses generationally, or however they've come toward us, or even curses that we've spoke, I can never have enough money, blah, blah. We're going to break any curses against our finances. And we're going to release this word of we're going to live, and we're going to multiply, and we're going to possess, okay? So uh, you can just uh, agree with me in prayer over this. And why don't y'all stand, and then we're going to have communion. So, Lord, I bind the strong man who has plundered us. 
And I confess for any agreement that I've come in uh, with that strong man. And we repent on behalf of our country, of our leaders, of corporations who out of their greed has broken the backs of the American people. We, we repent and we forgive them, Lord. And we release them. And Lord, we break every curse generationally that has been spoken against us, against our businesses, against our uh, families, against our finances, even words that we have spoken. We break all curses and repent from anything that's come out of our mouth that, that come into disagreement with your word that says, live, multiply, and possess, that you've given us the power to create wealth, Lord. So in Jesus' name, we break all those curses right now. And Lord, we come into agreement with your word that God, we are going to obey you. And out of that obedience, we will live, we will multiply, and we will possess. Because your word says, Lord, and we're agreeing with every word that proceeds from your mouth. Your word says, Lord, that you have given us the power. You have enabled us. You have equipped us to create wealth so that you may fulfill the covenant that you made with our forefathers. So, Lord, we receive and agree with that blessing. And that everyone in here, everyone who's listening or who will listen to this in the future, will receive that impartation to create wealth. They will receive an, an, an anointing to create wealth. And we are declaring that our financial abundance... Will be the instrument of provision for the kingdom of God in this great season of harvest, Lord. And Lord, may it be so that we have so much money as a body that people will come to us, like Patricia talked about, being a benefactor, that people will come to us and we will be the supplier. In Jesus' name, we will use your word to supply every need according to your riches and glory, God, and that they will see the wonder and the beauty of who you are. So, Lord, I just thank you that you have your very best for us and that we are of heart for you so that everything you speak to us aligns us. So who's ready to handle some wealth? Okay, I'm just going to have us put out our hands. So Father, we just thank you that your word uh, that you've given us, and uh, it's been confirmed through many that there's such a financial fullness coming to the body of Christ. And God, we thank you that we are being refined and purified and moved into this uh, awesome incredible holiness and righteousness that you've prepared for us so that we can take what is poured out to us and poured in to move the kingdom forward. God, thank you for this great harvest. Thank you for uh, how you're just doing it all over the world where people are seeing the beauty of you, Jesus, and what you've given so that they could have life ever asked, ever, ever asked, whoo, Yes, ever after. <laughs> Everlasting is what I was trying to say. So, Jesus, we just thank you that it's not perfection you seek, but it's transformation. You seek 
the realness of our heart. So thank you, Jesus, that you see what's real. And uh, you invite us into the more that you have. And we bless and honor you. Amen. 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 So thank you, guys. Have a good week. And uh, if you want prayer, there's prayer available. And God is good.